My mother and one of her sisters, my Aunt Nell, were as different from each other as chalk and cheese. This was made clear to me on a few occasions that had to do with food and having company over. My mother was always worried that there wouldn't be enough food or that it wouldn't be good enough for the company who might be coming. If there was one thing my mother struggled with, and there was only one, this was it. More than once on the Air Force base where we lived, the priest who was chaplain on the base would come over and knock on our door at about 10 minutes to noon. Mum suspected that father might like to have a noon meal prepared for him, but she would cut the conversation short so that father could be on his way. She then would confide to me, who would have been maybe about 10 years old at the time, that she didn't feel she had in the house what father might want. I grew up knowing intuitively that I shouldn't bring friends over for a meal on the spur of the moment. My Aunt Nell, on the other hand, was a very different breed of cat. Her line, always said through a little laugh, was, there's always room for one more. And so there was. I often brought seminarians home to Nova Scotia with me, or once I was ordained, other young priests. Mum was glad to meet them if she knew well in advance that we were coming. But Aunt Nell didn't need a warning. We'll put another potato in the pot, was her solution. My mind wandered to this as I was reflecting on today's gospel. Jesus' disciples remind me of my mother. Jesus reminds me of Aunt Nell. Today's readings seem to be about food and drink, but not only these. They are about hospitality. I've been intrigued by the fact that hospitality and hospital share the same root. And why not? A hospital is where we are cured, healed, made stronger. Whatever our ailment, if a cure is to be found for whatever ails us, we expect we find it in the hospital. Not that at the end of today's gospel, note that at the end of today's gospel, as Jesus disembarks from his boat, a crowd is already assembled waiting for him with their sick, whom he promptly cures. Jesus is like the hospital ships that travel from port to port in developing countries, bringing relief to those suffering any ailment. I was surprised to see recently that the Vatican has such a hospital ship. Good for Pope Francis, who often challenges our Catholic Church to be a field hospital. He puts his money where his mouth is. In other passages of scripture, we hear the call to offer hospitality. In Romans chapter 12, St. Paul writes, contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitalities to strangers. And in Hebrews chapter 13, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. What are the lessons that today's readings bring us? Let me suggest three of them. 
Our first reading is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 55. The book of Isaiah is divided by most scripture scholars into three parts. First Isaiah, chapters 1 to 39, belong to the original prophet and deal with the nation of Israel up until the Babylonian captivity when most Israelites, at least the learned ones, were transported to Babylon and held captive there. What is termed Deutero-Isaiah in chapters 40 to 55 details the years in captivity and Trito-Isaiah in the last chapters 56 to 66 finds the Israelite back in Jerusalem. Today's reading is from chapter 55 near the end of the captivity when the prophet speaks for God in promising the people an abundance not only of water, precious as that is in desert countries, but all other things as well. And God provides all of this for free. Why spend your money on what fails to satisfy? The prophet asks. You don't have to pay for it. It comes with being human being loved by a generous and bountiful God. In such a system, simply being free as human beings would be release enough. But on top of that, not to have to pay for water, or food, or shelter, or health care. To see these as human needs and rights because we have no life without them convey a staggering reality. Isaiah speaks for God when he says, incline your ear and listen to me. Listen so that you may live. The simplest way to say this is, God provides. We may be surprised when God provides us such blessings. Why would God do that for me? Another aunt of mine, you'll know my family by the end of this homily, Aunt Marie, was the youngest of my mother's sisters. She had five children before she got cancer and died when the youngest, Gregory, was only about eight. As will often happen in such circumstances, all the women in the neighborhood brought over meals and gave these to the grieving husband and children. But Gregory had trouble with this. Why are they giving us this food to us? He thought it must be poisoned, so he wouldn't eat any of it. Why would all these women give them food? Because they had compassion on them, because they loved them. Gregory needed more than food, and the neighborhood women did their best. Sometimes we can focus on what we don't have, rather than what we do have. The disciples thought that five loaves and two fish was too little to even begin to feed such a crowd. I've heard different interpretations of this miracle from those who find such a miracle unbelievable. Let's face it, when it comes to miracles, there is no explanation that satisfies human inquiry. When the doctor predicts that you'll die soon and in a particular way, and that isn't what happens, 
he can only shrug his shoulders. Not only did five loaves and two fish feed a large crowd, but there were 12 baskets full of scraps left over, one for each apostle. I'm sure Jesus didn't throw it in their face, as we say, but he might have wanted to chide them. And you thought it couldn't be done. Just watch me. Let me say a brief word about our second reading from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. I think this one of the more poetic passages of Paul's letters. It is often read at funerals, perhaps because Paul mentions death in the passage. For I am convinced that neither death nor life. We should perhaps listen carefully to what is said at funerals or the last words that people say when they are dying. This is their last chance to say anything after all. And what St. Paul is telling us in this passage is that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Not our, not our love for Jesus, but Jesus' love for us. Nothing can separate us from that love. He lists a series of things that we might think might drive a wedge between us, but his conclusion is that not even those things can do it. God's love for us. One last story. I was home one year in the little Nova Scotia village where my family is from. I had come celebrated at a weekday mass with the parish priest, and there was one altar boy who served the mass. After the mass, the pastor asked the boy what he was going to do that day. I'm going to play with my friend. Oh yes, and who's your friend? Jesus, he answered. Jesus is everybody's friend. It was an odd enough comment. I wasn't sure that the young fellow really knew what he was saying but I had to smile at the boy's candor. Before I could make it back home the next year, that young boy had died. I hope he remembered well that Jesus loves him and that Jesus is his friend. Amen?